0: The Raptors win it and go into the all-star break
1: with seven straight victories. 122-98 your final. I can't
0: believe it. You know, honestly. Especially doing my man um, at home. It's one of the things that's that's honestly like a dream come true. I'm pretty sure, you know, once I get around the whole atmosphere, really see what it's like, you know, it's it's gonna be shell-shocking. I'm gonna be
1: going on somewhere on vacation with Jakob. I mean I don't know we 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 gonna let that for Yakin Skills. What check out Yakin Skills to see season two for the latest news in Raptor Land. It's the Jurassic Pod with Josh Lewenberg and Gareth Wheeler. This is Jurassic Pod episode two gareth wheeler alongside josh bloomberg it is your toronto raptors brand spanking new podcast episode one went okay for you josh i liked it the reviews coming in we're still here so that's got to be a good sign right that means that people didn't hate us that's good that's where the that's where i set the bar i'll settle for that don't hate me that's about it uh i thought week one went well and the best news of all the Raptors haven't lost since this podcast has been alive. There you go. Let's see how long we can keep that up. A 3 a week. As always, you can get at us at Wheeler TSN, at JLU1050 is where you find us on Twitter. Uh, you're obviously listening to this podcast on iTunes, TSN1050.ca, on the iHeartRadio app. Where aren't we, everywhere. Josh? We are basically everywhere. We're going to have the billboards are going up soon. Jurassic Pod as you drive down Richmond Street? I like it. Love the idea. One step at a time, young man. One Is that in the budget wheels? I don't know. I, are they sending us to All Star Weekend? Are we going to make like the starters and just like we... start showing up everywhere? How long's the walk to L.A.? We oh. might have to look
0: into that. Yeah,
1: bus fare. Stay in hostels. We'll get to L.A. sometime next week, taking Greyhounds the entire way. We should have left a week ago. No kidding. Well, it, it last week was a whole lot of fun. I'm trade excited deadline. to see where this goes. Yeah, it was reacting to the trade deadline, and it seems like so much. Has happened since. So over the next 42 minutes, because that's how long these podcasts have to me, we'll get into the Raptors at the All-Star break. It is here. Uh, We'll go through the week that was. The Raptors and their, I guess, the perspective of outsiders of where this team is at league-wide. And a little news and notes when it comes to VC. I have a Vince Carter update. Teaser. Teaser. Stay tuned. And Chris Bosch. Coming out of the shadows and speaking earlier on Thursday, so all that's still to come. But let's start things off with two numbers: forty-one and sixteen, because that is the best Raptors record in franchise history at this point, and that's what they go into the All Star break at: forty-one wins and sixteen losses. I've got a number. I've got a number
0: for you too. Okay, one. Where they are in the standings right
1: now for the first time going into the All Star break. Good call, good call. Uh, and the Raptors well, let's throw in another number seven because seven wins in Kyle, a row. Kyle for the Rams, Well, the number seven will be on full display. Andrea Bargnani. But s- let's forget that even happened. And seven wins going into the All Star yes. break and that speaks volumes. And it's not just about that. There they won seven wins in a row, but how? by resting their starters in five of the last six games in the fourth six. quarter of play.
0: I, OG Ananobi played five
1: minutes in the
0: Portland game in the fourth quarter, but he he's still one of the kids. I'm telling to the veteran starters, okay. Lowry, DeRozan, Ibaka, JV. They haven't been needed in the fourth quarter in six of those seven games, all six of them coming by those wins by... 15 points or more. It hasn't even been close.
1: Isn't that crazy? Like, we need to dig into the history books to figure out if it this has ever happened, it happened before. Happened. No way. So we're watching a little bit of history here. That if we're going to look at things big picture, Josh, what was the biggest story heading into this Raptor season? How would the bench be able to fare? Yep. How would they complement what looked to be a very good starting five on paper?
0: And there were people that were, will- that were ready and willing to write this team off because of those kids. They lost Patrick Patterson. God they forbid. Lost, they lost Amari Carroll. What are they ever going to do now? Who are these guys? Who's uh, Fred Van Vliet? Who else? Who's Cor- Corey Pertl? Joseph.
1: Yep. PJ Tucker. Yep. Am I, am I missing someone? Those are the
0: four, yep. Yeah. Combined, I believe, combined 27 years of NBA experience between those four. So I get it. I, I get it. There, were con- there was concern that this team was younger, that they were going to be relying on on inexperienced, unproven players, which is a dangerous thing in the NBA. But one thing I said back from the summer, even in the summer, when we weren't sure, there was still that uncertainty of how things were going to play out. But I said this, those guys that they said goodbye to over the summer, they had let this team down in the playoffs. Patrick Patterson not only couldn't hit a shot in the second half of the season, but he looked afraid to take one. Uh, Corey Joseph had a, an off year by his standards. He had that slump sort of in the middle of the season that caused him to get benched. Uh, Damari Carroll, we we know about his history with the Raptors, and even PJ Tucker, uh, that was a loss for them. I think they would have liked to bring him back, right. but he was only in Toronto for a few months, so I I don't think they lost anything that was tough, that was that tough to replace. In no. the end, they turned to younger players that. Had I think a higher upside even back then, and they have something to prove, and that's what we're seeing
1: now. The the Raptors, okay. So PJ Tucker defensively, in my mind, has been replaced by a younger, more athletic player in Pascal Siakam, that that can guard not only fours but fives and threes. He's that athletic. Yep. And the offense, I mean, it's, it's a night and day improvement with CJ Miles, and CJ's being hot and cold. I don't even think we've seen the best version of CJ Miles. No, yet. I, I
0: think they're still figuring out
1: how to use him. Yeah. So, I mean, they have the Raptors have 11 players who are averaging over 60 minutes a game. And it's a little bit skewed because some games Norman Powell hasn't played in. He's been a coach's decision, just not playing. Yep. But still, they have 11 players averaging over 16 minutes a game. It's just wild, Josh, to see how evenly, basically on a nightly basis, especially over the last couple months, how evenly the minutes are uh, distributed throughout this team.
0: It's huge, and it's allowed them to do something that they wanted to do in in training camp that we knew was going to be easier said than done, and that's scaling Kyle Lowry's minutes back. It's something that they've talked about. In years past, and it's usually in the fall when they talk about it. It's easier
1: said than done, right? And then, yeah,
0: by December, they usually realize, okay, this isn't going to happen because, quite frankly, he's too valuable. When he's not on the floor, they fall apart. Like, the Raptors have had good benches over the last few seasons, but those numbers have always been kind of skewed because Lowry was propping them up. Lowry was always on the floor with four reserves, and not only did that prop up the numbers of that, of that bench, but it also piled on to his already massive workload. So that was always going to be the key this year. Casey had talked about running out the all-five reserve unit, and those typically were, were ty- the types of lineups that didn't fare sure. well for the Raptors, but those guys have been self-sufficient this year. Not only have they uh, treaded water, held their own without Lowry and DeRozan on the floor, but they've actually grown leads. They've been, right now, that all-reserve lineup of Van Vliet, Wright, Miles, Siakam, and Pertle, that lineup has the best net rating of any 5 man unit in the NBA. Isn't it's that crazy? crazy?
1: Like that's cr- and and the thing is you might say okay, second unit playing other second units, but they've been used against first units as well. Yep. Like they've been used in all different ty- different types of scenarios. Well,
0: here here's what it is. Like they do a lot of things well wheels, but They just play really hard, and more often than not, that's the difference. Like, the, the difference between them and the starters a lot of nights is they play harder than the starters. The difference between them and other benches most nights is they play harder than those other benches. But here's what I love most about this unit, and this is what's crazy to me, is if you ask five different people who the best player in that second unit is... It's possible you get five different answers. I think, like we, it,
1: I think we look at that differently. Like you, you're a big Fred Van, v- Van, Fred Van Vliet guy, but I wouldn't say.
0: And I, you're going to say Pascal Siakam, yeah. but it, I mean it varies night to night. I, it, it does. It, it varies night to night. I mean, last night against uh, Chicago, yeah. I'm losing track of time. Uh, last night against Chicago, Pascal Siakam was the best player of that group. A couple nights ago, C.J. Miles was the best player of that group. Certainly, Fred VanVleet has had nights. DeLon, DeLon Wright, right, Yakupov. Yep. That's what I'm saying is, like, they don't have a, a Lou Williams or the, the type of guy that's going to carry that group and be a six-man candidate. And that's why it's it's shameful that none of those guys are in the Rising Stars competition. But if you're looking for a reason why, that's it. It's because there's not one guy that you look at and say, okay, well, this this is the guy that makes them tick. It's a different player every night.
1: So the bench is the lead story for me in terms of overall storylines when it comes to this Raptors team at the All-Star break. Two other questions have been answered, in, in my personal opinion, and, and, and I'll get yours whether they've been answered or it's to be continued. Jonas Valanciunas, just a couple months ago, still in many people's eyes, was trade bait. It was a matter of if, not when, the player would be shipped out of town. He's added a three-point shot to his arsenal. He's a double-double machine. In 2018, he has been outstanding, Josh. Is that a question answered in year five now for JV, that this is the player that you can really have as a core piece of an elite-level team?
0: Well, considering there were people that were ready to just throw him to the wolves to dump him out with the bathwater, I think that's been answered. Clearly, he's more valuable than that. I mean, even in the worst-case scenario where it's a matchup that's not necessarily favorable, there are certain things that he does that they need. I mean the idea of dumping him right now is insane because if he's not around, who's rebounding for you? So those are the things that he's always done that he's now doing as well as he's ever done before. But you're right. There's also the three-point shot now, which I think has created a, a whole new set of possibilities in terms of what he can become offensively and ultimately what the Raptors can do offensively. But he's also moving the ball really well. He's seeing the floor better defensively. He's been better. And as a result, he's being rewarded. We're seeing him on the floor well, lately we haven't seen him on the floor late in games because none of the starters are, but in tight situations, the one against Miami, Dwayne Casey has, them, has left him out there. They have more confidence in
1: him, and that's huge because. Morris 25, with, right, Josh? Like, yeah. He's like right getting into his prime. And you've seen it growth this year, and the players around him use him better. There's no
0: blueprint for big men, as we know. Like, it it happens for different guys at different times. Either the the light switches on, or you just figure it out. Like, it's a comfort level thing. And for him, he looks more comfortable than I've ever seen him before.
1: The final question uh, was whether DeMar DeRozan would be able to hit a three-point shot. To me, that question's been answered. No, it it hasn't been answered. It it has been answered, and I'll tell you why. He's never going to be Ray Allen. OK, he's never going to be that sharpshooter from the outside. He's but,
0: never going to be Jonas Valanciunas. But
1: he's not the DeMar DeRozan from last year either.
0: Well, he's not, afraid he, to, he's not afraid to take them. I think that's the biggest difference now is he's taking them with confidence. Now, I I, I still think that the sample size in terms of makes is too small to say, OK, well, he's a three-point maker now, right? Because he came into the season, I think it was like a 32, 33... Uh, percent career three-point shooter, his thing was always, I can take them, I just choose not to, it's not a part of my game, but the evidence that we had was that even when he did take them, he he wasn't making them, at least not at a league average clip, which is what he always really needed to do to to take the next level. Uh, he, he's starting to show signs of that now, but like I said, I, I still think we need to see more of it to say that that question has been but, answered. But
1: he's still like around 33%, but he can't, like... He... I'm going with the eye test, okay? I'm not going specifically with the numbers here. He looks so much more smooth and confident in yeah. doing so, and at the very least, defenders need to respect it. He was so reluctant to take them yes.
0: before. He would either pump fake or take a step or two inside the arc where we know he's more comfortable, but he's just letting them fly this year, and that's the biggest difference is there's no hesitation. He's shooting them with confidence. He's shooting them with regularity for the most part. So, yeah, I mean, that is encouraging, if nothing else, because that's a big part of the battle, as we've seen with CJ Miles over the last few months, where even if he's not making them, he's not shy. He's not Patrick Patterson in that sense. He's not turning down shots and that's I think why you can be more confident about Miles than than Patrick Patterson come playoff time you don't know that he's going to make them but you know that he's going to take them and that makes a big difference for the defense because they always have to pay attention to guys that are, are taking them and have proven that they can make them and if DeRozan can become one of those types of players then an already impossible to guard player becomes even more impossible to guard
1: all of these things all of these elements have helped the Raptors find themselves atop the Eastern Conference at the All Star break, coaching staff going out to L A. They're going to be a big part of the All Star weekend. To be, we'll continue to reflect on the season that has been, as well as take a look back at the week that was three and zero for the Toronto Raptors. Vince Carter and update to come as well. Josh is really excited about this, and you should be too. It's all coming up on Jurassic Pod is Jurassic Pod, Gareth Wheeler alongside Josh Lewenberg. If you got any questions, topics that you want to hear on this podcast, it's just number two, we're still getting started here, at Wheeler, TSN, at JLU1050 is where you find us. Hit us up. Unless you want to call Josh at home, his phone number No, is... no, no. <laughs> okay. No, no. Can we save that for episode three, where we give out Josh Lewenberg's phone number? Feel free to call him at any time. five, five Any five, hour of the day.
0: Five, five. Five, five. I,
1: like, I always get like the Pizzaville number in my head. Like, I get like those sorts of things in my head, just the numbers that you hear repeatedly on commercials. I don't deliver. Don't call me. Oh, okay. Whoa, ladies, you heard that. Josh Loomberg. <laughs> well, I meant not the pizza wheels. <laughs> so, like I said off the top, like the Raptors, since we started this podcast, are three and oh. A win in Charlotte, a win at home over Miami. Where the Raptors. on the foot. tail end, on the back to back, the Raptors go to Chicago, close things out before the All Star break with a 122-98 victory. Lucky charm. See, I don't think it's us. I just think it's like good vibes all around, buddy. We're part of the system. We are not the engine. We're like a wheel. No, We're like one of the tires. You're, you're, that keep like, on you're like a wheel. Yeah, you're
0: like a wheeler. Uh, Too li- easy. Listen. You're not giving us enough credit. I think it's almost entirely us.
1: Best win of the week for you was which one
0: of those wins? Um like I don't know the the level of competition against Chicago was obviously nothing uh, significant um but I I think the the focus and the discipline that they showed in the game that most teams sort of Overlook turn turn off the 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 Jets going into All Star break. The fact Golden that they State did, yeah,
1: lost to Portland on Wednesday night. Boston did as well. Yeah. So
0: the fact that they were able to go into Chicago, a place historically where they've had their issues, after a, a bit of a slow start, bit of a, a sluggish, lazy start defensively, just completely blow Chicago out of the water. I mean, there are still th- the Miami win was concerning in the sense that they've still got to show they still got to prove that they can close out games, that they can do what they've been doing for the first three and a half quarters offensively in the last five minutes. But I think we can, in terms of answering questions, which we were talking about earlier, they have answered that question. They can absolutely put inferior teams away. That's what we've seen time and time again the, now.
1: The bookends were better than the middle. The game in the middle. I'll, I'll put it that way. 38 assists for the Raptors Crazy. in Chicago. And, Warriors-esque. And, and even, or, or just as impressive, is the way the big men played. Serge Ibaka, 9 of 12. Valanchuna, 7 of 9. Pascal Siakam, 7 of 9. Yaka Portal, 4 of 4. Like, the, in a league where the big man is cut. Con- I don't think it's even going by the wayside. You just use them in a different way. That is an extremely efficient night, and they were beating you on the defensive end and the offensive end, making
0: plays too. Yes. Like I can remember two really nice passes that Ibaka made in the first quarter to JV. Siaka made a couple really nice passes as he as he tends to do. He's really growing in that area of his game. He made one sort of a drive and dish a jump pass to the corner where uh, Miles. Uh, completed the four-point play there. So uh, JV's much improved in that area as well. We talked about that earlier. And Pirtle can make plays as well. So what a luxury that is to have bigs that not only is efficient as we talked about, uh, but if they're passing the ball like that too, I mean that's how you. That's how the Warriors are the Warriors because it's not just Steph Curry and Clay Thompson making Draymond Green. Exactly. It's not just them making plays and making passes. Everyone on their roster can put the ball on the floor. Everyone on their roster can make plays. It makes them really tough to defend, and that's why the Raptors are having success in this new system because
1: everyone I think is getting better in that regard. How good were the Raptors on last Sunday though against the Charlotte? Hornets. A place where typically in the past and now it's becoming more distant past, they've had problems, Josh. Yeah, like quite frankly. Same thing as Chicago. And and they started that game, it's a one o'clock start, earliest start in Charlotte. They're down ten nothing. They ran away with that game. The the final score said 123-103, but it felt like one twenty three to sixty-three. Like, literally, like, seriously, it was such an impressive win. You saw what C.J. Miles can do when he catches fire. They ran Charlotte out of that gym. They, quite frankly, embarrassed that team on their home floor. We already talked about the bench, but once again, I feel like everything
0: with this team just circles back to the bench. Like, they've been the story during this stretch. And, I mean, because it's more fresh in my mind, I'll talk specifically about the Chicago win in that, like, I think it's infectious, right? Because... The, the slow starts are something that we've seen a bunch recently but then the second unit comes in and not only do they raise the bar and, and obviously change the momentum of the game but then when the starters come back in whether it's late in the second or to begin the third quarter they're better too because it's almost like they're looking at what the second unit is doing and saying all right like we, we need to play as hard as these guys Lowry alluded to it not long ago and I mean he's had high praise for the kids for months now but he said like they they keep him motivated they keep him going keep him fresh and like i think that helps it helps in practice i think to really raise the level of internal competition and certainly we've seen it play out in the game as well
1: okay let's address the 115-112 win over the Miami Heat where the Heat went on a 16-3 run to end the ball game uh, the, the Toronto Raptors are the best and having the best fourth quarter team over the past two seasons yet they struggled and Miami beat them up to the tune of 31-17 in that final quarter of play. What didn't you like about the finish for the Toronto Raptors? Keeping in mind, this was a rare game that went down to a wire for a team that's been blowing their competition out of the water. Do you remember what their field goal percentage was
0: in the final four and a half minutes of that game? The uh, Raptors? Was it zero? It was zero. They were <laughs> 0 for 8. They were 0 for 8 in the last four and a half minutes they only scored three points, all of them at the free throw line, by three different players, because
1: there was missed free throws as well,
0: by all three different players: Larry, DeRozan, yep. and Miles. All three of them, good free throw shooters. So it was, I mean, it was sort of deja vu in the sense that this is a team for all their success that they've had this year, all of their accomplishments, all of the firsts and records, and all of that. They've really struggled closing out games and that that's a concern. That's probably the biggest concern to this point in the year. Now it's not it's not entirely surprising and it's not worth panicking over because they have 2 months to go. They knew that the the toughest time of the game to change would be at the end, right? Like they that's the toughest time to Implement the new system when teams are just locking in on you defensively and when old habits tend to creep back in. We knew this would happen, but now it's a matter of breaking those habits. They have two months to do it before the playoffs. And I think most importantly than anything else, Wheels, and this is the one encouraging thing that came out of that win... Uh, against Miami, is they're aware of it. Dwayne Casey, he's not beating around the bush. He was as ticked off after that game as I've seen him after any game this year. And they won, and the reason being was the close. So he's really harping on this. DeRozan talked about it after the game, too. They're not delusional. They know it's an issue now. It's just a matter of correcting that
1: issue. It felt like a loss in the building. Honestly, Like when the final horn went... It was like, ah, oh, we can breathe. Was that a, like, because the way that that game ended with it being one-way traffic going the way of the Miami Heat and the yeah. sweet-ass uniforms, uh, yeah, it almost felt like a loss. And Which which it wasn't, but it speaks volumes to how the bar continues to raise for this team and where we're at, which is a good thing, Josh. It was like one thing to the next, too. Like the missed free
0: throws, there was a turnover on an inbound in their oh. own, but underneath their own bucket. It was one of those games where it felt like they were trying everything they could to lose that game. I you hated
1: it. Aside from the missed free throws, because that's how they lost their last game in Washington. Kyle Lowry missing a free throw late. I believe that DeMar... It might be no. It might have been Kyle. Kyle Lowry definitely missed a free throw late and yeah. said it wouldn't happen again. Well, it happened again. You can't control I, that. I, I, so I'm giving that's them the not, benefit some, that's of the not doubt. something that you can promise. I'm giving the team the benefit of the doubt that they're going to be able to make free throws down the stretch of clutch ball games or what games they need to be clutched down the stretch. Yep. I did not like their defensive play and the defensive personnel when they give up that three point shot to Dwayne Wade in the corner. One Kyle Lowry completely fell asleep on Dwayne Wade, but he slid out to the corner after Goran Dragic inbounded the ball, set a scream, Adebayo went blue past Jonas Valanciunas, decided to put it out to the corner and... Kyle Lowry was left up on the three-point line. He he was gone, wasn't paying attention. But I didn't like how Fred VanVleet, who's a good defender, yep. how he is on the inbounder. I want DeLon right on in that scenario. He's got more length. He's more of a pain to get past. You can make the argument that Jakob Portal could be a better play in terms of having an athletic big out there to guard the perimeter if need be against that Miami Heat alignment. I just think it's these little things that the Raptors can tighten up and maybe they're still trying to figure out which five are best in that scenario, which I'm okay with, but these are the things that need to be worked out come playoffs. Yeah, time.
0: That, the little details are, are magnified at that yes. time of the game. The little details become big things, and it's not just that. That's maybe more concerning in that it's not one guy. It's not like, okay, well, DeRozan, he's been missing some shots late in the game, so the, the issue is DeMar DeRozan, or Kyle Lowry misses a free throw. Late in games. So the issue is Kyle Lowry. Like Dwayne Casey and the coaching staff, they know they've got to get better in those moments too. They've had their issues in those moments too. And I think they've been great this year overall, but that'd be better. I'm not going to go great. I I think they've had a great year. I think if the season ends today, Dwayne Casey is your NBA coach of the year. Yeah, but
1: their one area for improvement is coming out of timeouts and management in late game situations. They're really good coming out of timeouts. They're better, Josh. I I just don't think that they're there. I can cite multiple cases this year. It's like, what? that that's all you had it's not to the point where it was last year where it was an area of mass frustration but i don't think that they're all the way where they need to be yet i'm not saying they can't get there i'm saying yet and awareness i think
0: is is half the battle like you you've got to be aware of it i think in the past when casey's been criticized for late-game decision-making, whether it's guys that he's had out, uh, had on the bench, or even play-calling, whether it's DeRozan, Isoball, or whatever, they've said, listen, like, DeRozan's our guy, ride or die, yada, right. yada. Like, there's, there's none of that this year. They're aware of it. They know it's an issue they've worked on, it, and that's not to say that they're going to figure it out, necessarily. That's why I say awareness is the first step. But I like the fact that they're concerned about it cuz they should be and i like the fact that they're working on it well, now we'll see over the next couple months whether they can correct it because uh, wheels we were just on the uh, on the air and one of the things i said when when we were talking about who comes out of the East? Cleveland or Toronto? You're still sticking with Cleveland or you're still sticking with Toronto? I'm still saying Cleveland. The big reason for me is like I said, it's not you're not going to blow Cleveland out by 34 points in the playoffs, especially not in Cleveland. It's going to come down to those little details and those little moments, the last few minutes of close games, and in those moments, are you betting on the Raptors who are still unproven in those situations? Right. Are you betting on LeBron James? That's the biggest difference for me right now. We'll see how and if that changes.
1: And and sometimes it's a matter of just calls going your way, and DeMar DeRozan was wrapped up by Adebayo, and no call was given late in that Miami Heat game, but just two specific examples really quickly, and then we'll move on, I'll get off this, but last time out when they lost to the Miami Heat, just the lack of recognition of the players on the floor, and there's accountability to the coaching staff, accountability to the players on the floor, that they had a foul to give. Yep. That wasn't executed at all. Siakam it, and Pertle get crossed exactly. up. Exactly. Siakam and uh, and get right. crossed
0: up. Those are two of your better defenders. Yet they're also a sophomore and a rookie. Sure. So that's the issue. Is like you're relying on young guys. They've been great, but those are the moments late in games that it's still a learning curve.
1: Against Washington, the only way after Kyle Lowry misses his first free throw that you have any chance, and it might not even be a great chance, you have to miss the to second miss the free, throw. free throw, and. Kyle was we instructed haven't, haven't to do this. We haven't talked it. about this before. I, I don't, I, I'm just, these are little things, I small know. margins. Again, no team's going to be perfect, but in these late game situations, come playoff time, yep. you need to tighten it up. Uh, Josh has some news when it comes to Vince Carter. The story made the rounds last week with ferociousness about this whole idea of Vince Carter potentially, if bought out, returning to the Toronto Raptors. People have opinions on Vince Carter, believe it or not. Well, is it really, really and truly a possibility in the eyes of the Toronto Raptors? We'll get into that next. This is Jurassic Pod. Wheeler of Lundberg with you. This is Jurassic Pod episode 2. Last week, a good chunk of the podcast, I think I had some hate tweets on this as well. You probably did. Yep. Our thoughts on this whole idea of perhaps just maybe a 41, maybe even 42-year-old Vince Carter making the, a return to, the tr- to Toronto and the Raptors someday. Josh, you've done some digging on this. Would you say this is a possibility if and when Vince Carter is bought out and- Right now, that doesn't look to be the case in Sacramento. But if he is bought out, would the Raptors consider bringing VC15 back to Toronto? Well,
0: to your point, Wheels, people are interested. People are asking, lots of people are asking about Vince Carter. So I can update the situation with some news that I don't think is out there. After speaking with a few team sources, I can confirm that they've had internal dialogue. And debate about the idea of bringing Vince Carter back. It's something that they wanted to do over the summer. That's why they made him an offer. Something that I've reported in the past. And it's also something that they'd be open to in the future. Perhaps next year in some capacity. But they've decided now is not the right time. And I think the consensus seems to be there's so much going on right now. And they want this season... To be about this team, their accomplishments, and their playoff push, and not the sideshow that I think would come with a Vince Carter return. Uh, so,
1: so, so uh, let, let me get this straight, just, just just so our listeners are clear. So, yep. if Vince Carter come Monday morning, is bought out by the Sacramento Kings, the Toronto Raptors would not make a play. They would not be interested.
0: Maybe it's reconsidered in the unlikely event that he is bought out, but right now I'm told there is no plan to bring Vince Carter back this season. Again, I think the fear is that you bring him in, and then all of a sudden the story is not the great season that they're having in this uh, potentially historic run that they're on. It's Vince Carter and the past and his story and the his ark coming to a close. And I think that I think they believe that would do a disservice to the guys that have worked so hard to get them to where they are right now. Maybe that's something that's a little bit more manageable coming out of training camp, if it happens from the beginning of a season like they wanted it to this season. And maybe it's something that you deal with if you're bringing in a player that drastically makes you better. But it's not something they seem to want to do for a glorified 11th or 12th man that comes in with a month or two left in the season and then barely plays.
1: so It's smart, Josh. It, th- th- this is very good decision-making by the Toronto Raptors front office. I agree. I, I completely agree with this approach. I know the temptation is there. The player can still play a little bit. He could be a useful asset, but it's not worth it. It's simply not worth, it's not even risking, it's not worth kind of taking the spotlight away from what you have right now for a player, and let's be honest, I don't think that it would help them that much. No. You're looking for a player via the bio market that can maybe give you a little something different and at least provide cover pending injury. Or pending other issues down the stretch. So
0: the Vince Carter reunion zealots are not going to be happy with me for pouring cold water on this. But so I will, it's
1: it, it's a timeout. It's, it,
0: it's going to happen. It's going to happen at some point over the next two years. The organization wants it to happen. They're committed to bringing him back in some respect, even if it's just on a one-day thing before he retires. And Vince Carter has has made it clear that he wants that to happen. So it's going to happen, just not this season.
1: Good stuff, Josh. Uh, When it comes to the buyout market, do you still get the sense that the Raptors are confident that they can land someone that can help this group? Yeah,
0: they want to fill that vacant 15th spot. And I do get the sense from Masai Jiri and the Raptors that They have somebody, maybe even a number of somebodies in mind, and I I get the sense from their confidence, and also in the fact that they would go out and pull off the trade to to free up some money uh, in moving Bruno Caboclo, that... Maybe they know something we don't. I get the sense that they believe there's a player that will be available that we aren't talking about or necessarily anticipating being out there. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because the names, obviously, we've heard a lot about. A couple of them that are already off the market and Marco Bellinelli and Joe Johnson. Uh, but then we've also heard about Channing Fry, who seems unlikely to get bought out in L.A. He's got ties to Luke Walton and... and uh Seems to be happy there with the situation with the Lakers. Ersan Ilyasova, who may or may not be available. Uh, Tony Allen, who's out there right now, and I think checks off a few boxes, not all of them. Those are the names we've heard I get the sense that there might be someone we're not thinking about or talking about that Ooh. for whatever reason Where the raptors' body
1: sense is tingling towards I don't know, city? man. You
0: don't know? I don't know, man. That's sort of the idea is like I think they know something we don't, whether it's talking to whomever behind the scenes. I I get the sense that they have an idea that somebody might be out there and that that guy is someone not only that they like, but they believe strongly that they right. can get, which I, is why they go out and they pull off that trade, and which is why they seem to be confident that they will fill that.
1: 15 I don't think spot. they would have traded Bruno Caboclo if that wasn't the sentiment. Yeah.
0: And These are smart guys exactly. that, have a, that more often than not, they have a plan. Now, that plan doesn't always work out, but I, I think they've got something in mind here, and it's not the wait-and-see mentality that we have to take, not knowing, obviously, what they know.
1: Sure. I mean, it, it's just so funny that this talk comes at a time where Chris Bosch is on ESPN Thursday morning talking about may, perhaps making a comeback. Now, Any potential comeback would be down the road. He needs to prove that he's healthy. Like, blood clots are no laughing matter. And he needs to be approved by an NBA medical panel. I believe it's two to three doctors need to give their thumbs up. That's unlikely to happen unless something drastic has changed with his health. But it would be a feel-good story. And he would be a guy that could help the team. He's still just 33 years old, Josh. I can't believe that Chris Bosh is still only 33. But, I mean, that's a former Raptor that you're like... Yeah, that would make a whole lot of sense. But there's so many ifs, ands, or buts before that could even be thought about or contemplated that that wouldn't be a target over the short term to help take this Raptors team um, to the next step or the next level. Yeah, I mean, it would be a
0: fantastic comeback story um, based on what he's been through and the player that he was when he took the, the break from, well retired or didn't retire, when he stepped away from the game, he was still an all-star caliber player. And his game is actually built perfectly for this modern NBA as a stretch for a guy that can defend multiple positions, uh, can can play a, at a, a sort of a, an up-pace style tempo. He's a guy that would fit in not only with the Raptors, but with 29 other teams. Yeah. But the caveat there, as you mentioned, is unless something has improved with his condition drastically over the last year or so, it would be such a surprise to see a team sign off on his return. And we talk about risk reward in basketball all the time, but in this case the risk isn't basketball related. It's, it's it's life life. It's life. And no no team is gonna sign off on that. Listen, I get it from Chris Bosch's perspective to a degree. Like this is a guy that's fiercely competitive that wants to believe that he can still play. And that that's why this isn't news to me, because Bosch wanted to play and thought he could play even when he was dealing with this with Miami a couple of years ago. It was the biggest reason, biggest thing that caused the friction between player and team before the inevitable breakup. So he's always wanted to play, but... I mean, there are things that are more important than basketball, and one of those things
1: Living, is Living? Breathing? Life. Yeah, no kidding. We wish him the best. It would be a great story. I'm with you. Uh, but the time is not now for the Toronto Raptors to be involved I also in just, that like, kind would, of play. Would he want to come back, Maybe. Even, even if he could, to not get guaranteed minutes? Raps are a championship contending team. He might not play. I, if Chris Bosh goes to any team he's playing... So that comes He's at the playing. so that comes at the expense of Pascal Siakam? I wouldn't sacrifice that right now, but what if there's an injury? Like what about Serge Ibaka? Well, that's what in I his said form that, like that's there's, there's more so let's, ways let's about. let's expand
0: it. the conversation here cuz this isn't just about Chris Bosh, it's the, the the buyout market that we were talking about now where it is going to be a tough sell. Obviously, it would be a tough sell for a former All-Star like Chris Bosh, but even a guy like Marco Bellinelli, that that probably is the biggest reason why Bellinelli isn't a Toronto Raptor right now. You have to sell a guy on, yeah, you're, you're coming into a great situation, you can compete to win a, a conference championship, come out of the Eastern Conference and go to the finals, but you might be doing that, you probably will be doing that on the bench, at least initially, because the Raptors can't and won't promise guaranteed playing time, whereas Bellinelli goes to the Sixers and he's a big part of their rotation coming off off the bench he has the relationship with brian colangelo and all of that so i think that's going to be an obstacle for them that's why like i said i'm really interested to see how this plays out they are very confident that they can sell someone whoever they're thinking of and targeting on coming to this situation it's a good situation but how do you sell inconsistent sporadic playing time to a competitive guy that wants
1: to be out there that's why i look at the raptors going down to the wire Potentially injury, opportunity that comes about another way. But yeah. right now, the Raptors don't need to make that move, which is a great position to be in. We'll finish up today's pod with a look at the All-Star Weekend and how the Raptors are being perceived across the NBA entering the All-Star festivities. Wheeler and Luenberg with you. This is Jurassic Pod. Welcome to our All-Star party, it's All-Star weekend, Wheeler and Lumberg with you. We got our Coors Banquet beers, we're all ready for All-Star Saturday night, the Carnies in the Celebrity Game, and yeah, of course, Team LeBron versus Team Steph Curry. First a shout-out, a couple shout-outs, Josh, we gotta do this on this podcast as well. Yep. To the Toronto Raptor, 1,000 games, congrats to the best mascot in the NBA. The
0: GOAT, greatest of all time, he is one of a kind.
1: Shout out to Kyle Lowry. He's really excited. I had him on TSN radio earlier in the week. He's going to be hanging out at the Genesis Open. Yep. He's, he's, I think he's more. He went inside the ropes today. He's, I think he's happier about the golf than being in taking part in All Star Weekend. He told me, like, don't bet on me for the three point shootout. And he's right. I, I mean, there are, <laughs> there are guys that prep for
0: this. There are guys that will go in a gym and have the racks and practice. Kyle Lowry has said he openly, he is not yeah. practicing and he's not the type of shooter that does well in those competitions either. Like, listen, if it was a pull up three from 30 feet out competition, He'd probably win if Steph Curry wasn't in it anyways. He'd probably win, but uh, this isn't his thing, and I'm not sure how much prep he's putting into it. He's on the links right now.
1: Congrats to DeMar DeRozan playing an All-Star game in his hometown, and then the Raptors coaching staff for the first time representing the city, this organization, and this country. Uh, So with all that, what's your highlight of All-Star weekend? What are you looking forward to seeing? My vacation. My
0: time off. A little okay. bit of time off. That's what I'm looking forward I like to.
1: I like the celebrity game minus Kevin Hart. Less Kevin Hart would be better for me. Kevin Hart is in the celebrity game oh. because he's in everything. It's it's He's insufferable. Yeah. And he's not funny. No. Uh, Wynn Butler's my boy from Arcade Fire. He's a great basketball player. I just wanted to put on a show. The Rising Stars Challenge, even though no Raptors. I'm not watching we've, that. We've I'm, I'm, I'm boycotting. Well, Jamal Murray. From Kitchener. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's had a great year. And Donovan Mitchell, the Utah Jazz, is legit, buddy. Legit. My pick to win the slam dunk contest is? Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with him. I want to see Dennis Dennis Smith Jr. fly as well. Yep. So I think it's going to be a good one. And... There's, it's a good
0: field this year. It sucks that Aaron Gordon... Uh, got hurt and can't compete, but that means that Mitchell's in it. And like I said, I am going Mitchell here, right? And three point shooting, I'll always go with Clay Thompson. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's the best pure shooter that I've seen since Ray Allen. Like Steph Curry is a is a freak, but in terms of the actual mechanics,
1: the stroke, the release, like Clay is 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 art. Uh, and for the team LeBron versus team Steph. I'll, even though the injuries that have been suffered, I'll still go with Team LeBron. You're going Dwayne my Casey, huh? is Dwayne Casey's going to play LeBron James 48 minutes. <laughs> it's a strategic play for the end of the year. Take some charges, LeBron. Yes. Come on. Uh, and Dwayne Casey says he's going to try to do a job All-Star Weekend convincing the NBA world that the Raptors exist. The, How's he going to do that? The All-Star Weekend, the
0: unofficial All-Star Weekend slogan for the Raptors should be it's not tampering unless you can
1: prove it. Right. Right. Right? And there is NBA outside of the United States going on despite not having games on national TV. Yes, and despite Shaq throwing shade at us. We like we don't have much time but we'll get into it next week. Let's just address Shaq's comments. We got about a minute. Um not buying Lowry and DeRozan. There's been a lot of anti-Raptor. I don't know if it's anti-Raptor sentiment rather than skeptic Uh, Like A lot of skeptical people about this team And more like, okay, we'll continue to focus on Houston, Golden State, Cleveland, Boston, Raptors uh, You can just kind of stay there in the corner Well listen, the skepticism is understandable Because the Raptors absolutely have to prove that they
0: can Play the way that they've been playing so far this season Come playoff time We haven't seen it in in any scenario where we haven't seen something There's going to be skepticism I get that But at the same time There are question marks with a lot of other teams in the NBA too, including and especially Houston because they haven't fared well in the playoffs either. James Harden hasn't fared well in the playoffs. And yeah, they had Chris Paul, but he doesn't come with uh, an extensive playoff, or at least an encouraging playoff resume either, right. so Cleveland has, sorry, uh, Houston has something to prove Boston, with Kyrie Irving leading the way, he's had success in the playoffs in LeBron Shadow, not by himself they've got something to prove, really the only teams that I would give the benefit of the doubt to are Golden State and Cleveland because they've done it, Right. and Cleveland it's just because LeBron has done it everyone else has something to prove yeah, the Raptors are in that list, but they're not the only team on that list.
1: Well, at a time where the Raptors are looking for respect, LeBron James on Instagram, and thanks for bringing this to our attention, my favorite burrito place in Toronto, Chino Locos, that LeBron James on Instagram playing NBA 2K, Cavaliers versus Raptors. So he knows where it's at, even though it's a video game. Eastern Conference A finals. little bit of foreshadowing. Uh, enjoy some time off, J. Lou. You're a hardworking man. You know what? I think I might. I think I might enjoy it. And enjoy All-Star Weekend, everyone. We'll be back at it next week, and we'll break it all down for you. How much the Raptors tampered this All-Star Weekend. Hit them up at at 1050 I'm Wheels at Wheeler TSN, and this has been Episode 2 of Jurassic Pod.